Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Amen. All right, well, let's get into the Word right away. Exodus 33, 7 through 12. Now, Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside of camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand on the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, uh, the son of Nun, a, a young man, would depart from the t- would not depart from the tent. So the next verse on there, if, if you want to put that on for me, it says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. Face to face gives us a personal, intimate picture of God's interaction with Moses. When you read Exodus, you realize that this is how God wanted to interact with all of Israel. But they became fearful. They became so fearful. They just said, you do it, Moses. You do it. God was looking for that time that when he created Adam and Eve, it says that he walked with them in the cool of the day. Like a friend. Interaction, relational, together. And and God is trying to recreate this, but that sin of Adam and Eve put space in between. How could they do this? And so we see the law that's given to Moses to be able to make sin, to be able to, to make sin go away so there could be union again. And as Moses would, would meet with, with God, we see that his face would begin to glow. We would see that there was a a physical change in his body because he was near the presence of God. But this is what God wanted with all of Israel. But they were afraid. And then we see the tenacity of Joshua. It says that he was his assistant, or he was kind of like this, you know, he was like an apprentice. And Moses would go back to his personal tent, and Joshua, he wanted to be in the presence of Almighty God. The tenacity of Joshua to be in the presence of Almighty God. Now, I need to confess, some of you, it's week of Valentine's Day, all right? It's coming. It's this week. I'm prepping some of you. Jane and I are absolutely terrible at most holidays, frankly. We, you know, when it comes to like other people, like, hey, let's do a, a church event. Let's do something kind of fun. And that's easy. Because that's just like this everybody thing. But when it comes to our house, 
you're going to be disappointed. Our kids, our poor kids, I mean, their birthdays were like, hey, it's your birthday. I mean, really, we're really bad. We're really bad at it. We know it. And, and we've just kind of, we're comfortable with ourselves at this point, you know? It's like, we get it. You know, our kids will complain later on, and we just say there's therapy for that. You know? <laughs> so, we, we, we tried, like, the Valentine's thing, right? I mean, we would put our name on a big list, and we would go and spend more money than we wanted to, and we would go there, and we would be sitting there, and we'd be looking around at, you know, like, the restaurant's totally filled, and we're like, man, we spent so much money for this. And then I learned... I would look at, like, the seniors, and the seniors would go have this amazing breakfast, and there was no wait, it was cheaper, and we started doing breakfast dates because we wanted to learn from the people who went before us, right? That's what's going on, people. I want to just tell you, guys, do a Valentine's breakfast at Original Pancake House, and you're going to thank me later, okay? Okay. So we just learned that, you know what, we're not going to, we weren't really good at being conformed into that Valentine's Day thing. And if I bought her flowers, she looks at me and is like, thanks, but you know how much chicken that would have bought? And then I'm like, okay. <laughs> so to, to be able to kind of move forward in, in what we're looking at today, and, and uh, you can go ahead and put up my, our title up there, Sheila. I'm calling it Tinder-Hearted. Tinder-Hearted, Okay. And you'll see why in just a second. All right, I almost didn't do this. I felt like it was kind of edgy for Life Assembly, but just <laughs> bear with me. So you can tell a lot about a kid or like some people. Some people, I can't even look at you, Rachel, right now. You're making me laugh. <clears throat> By what they watched as kids. So how many people were like, okay, we watched the Disney Channel. How many were like, kind of marks their, their grown-up time? Um, how many of you would say Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner all the way? You're old. You're old, people. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. That's what I watch, too. Um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, we got some, yeah, okay, we got some Mr. Rogers. Sesame Street, now that covered a lot of generations, right? Okay, The Wiggles. Come on. Okay, how about this? Lazy Town. Yes, come on. Yeah, that was awesome. That, so when, when you're a parent and you can actually watch with your kids, it's actually kind of a, there's some really fun things. And like when my kids were young, Bob the Builder, you know, and so like, can we fix it? Yes, we can. And then Asher, I, I asked him the other night, and he goes, Dad, that, that show scarred me. I'm like, what? He said, yeah, one of the tools died. Like, Oh my goodness, this is terrible. I'm like, I'm, I'm like bringing up terrible things, you know. So, <laughs> so can you put up my next slide, Dora the Explorer? Now, this is one that, you know, you just can't get it out of your head. Dora the Explorer, right? This whole thing. And then every single episode, there's this sly fox swiper. And... All of a sudden, they're going to get this project. They're discovering it because they've got the magic map, the map, the map, right? This whole thing happening. And all of a sudden, Swiper comes to steal whatever it is they're trying to discover and to find. 
And all of a sudden, Dora would look at the audience and she would say, help me stop swiper. Repeat with me, swiper, no. See, swiper, no swiping. Oh man, some of you are gonna go on YouTube and look up Dora the Explorer, right? And so we are looking at tender-hearted, and we're saying, Swiper, oh, this is terrible, I know, this is bad. It's like a bad dad joke, right? <laughs> if you have no idea what Tinder is, amen, good for you, okay? I had to actually, uh, it was probably a couple months ago, I was asking Pastor Callie, I'm like, I, <laughs> I probably sounded like such an idiot because I had no idea, I'm like, so what happens? How, how does this work? So, so essentially, it's um, think of like a, a dating app where there's not all the questions and things. It's just pictures, okay? And so you're trying to have uh, short-term, very, um, not a lot of depth, if you get my drift. Um, there's a common phrase that you either slept, ugh, oh my goodness, you swiped, oh Lord, help me. Do we edit on these things? <laughs> you swipe left or you swipe right, right? To either engage or not to engage with people. And so it is definitely more of, um, a, of an app to be able to connect uh, without relationships. So the question is, what does the popularity of this app, what does it say about our culture? What does it say about us as a, as a people? And I think first that it says that we are willing to and more comfortable to put ourselves out in the most intimate ways with strangers than we are to actually put the work and the time in with people that we love. It says that we would rather hook up with someone and leave than have to deal with the weight that a relationship carries it says that we would rather believe a story that we tell ourselves about an image we see than actually listen to the reality of that image. That every relationship is worth its weight it was worked for. Every relationship that it's, is worth its weight was worked for. It reminds me of a man who, um, who's fairly close to us and he was on his second marriage, and he was dating um, a really close friend of mine. And he said to me, he said, in this first year of dating your friend, I have worked harder than I did my entire marriage, my first marriage. I said, what? That makes no sense. How is that even possible? He said, everything just, he said, we never argued. We just kind of were there. And it totally fell apart. And he said, I've worked so hard with your friend I'm saying friend just because I'm trying to keep some, um, you know, don't want them to know who we're talking about. But they, they said, we were, I've worked so hard that I don't want it to fall apart. And that's what happens with relationships is that when you've worked at something so hard that you know you want this to work. And they are still married and they've been married for many years now. Now maybe you know of someone who has gone, um, not of course any of us, but they go so head over heels for somebody that they only see this, this idea of somebody. They're so infatuated, there's actually no reality. 
And you can look at him and say, you try and shake him and go, that's, you're, you're falling for something that's not reality. And that's what we see with apps like Tinder. It's like we can see a picture and we can create in our minds this perfect image of a human being that is not the reality. Now, um, do you want me to call you up? No? Okay. I asked for permission to share this story. Um, Listen, you may think different of me after this, but it's just, sometimes we just have to be real, right? So we had been married um, for, I think it was like our second or third year. And I, when we have an opportunity to counsel, you know, people who are getting married and, and things, I tell them that, you know, first I remember being super excited, like, wow, I don't have to look for anybody. I'm not thinking that way. We're done. But then what you find out after you get married is that you have to like redate couples, it's true, because like you might not mesh with, you know, the other couple, right? Maybe one does and the other doesn't, so it's really weird. And uh, so we're like trying to figure this thing out, and our boundaries are terrible because we're really bad at small talk, especially my wife. Like, some of you might be like, I just don't get Jaina. That's true. It's okay. You know, because <laughs> they're like... I had to, like, there were times, like, when, like, there's small talk, she just doesn't get it, and all of a sudden, she'll, like, get dig really, really deep, and people are like, holy moly, I don't even know this woman, and she's asking me about my past, and, and so we would work on it. We would work on it, and I would say, Jenny, you were so good at small talk. She's like, was I? Was I good? You know, so she's working on, on this thing, so we're, we're on, like, a, a double date, kind of, like, we're with a, another married couple, and we weren't good at this kind of thing, and we're like, kind of excited, and I have to have her close by to kick her in case she goes way off the rails. <laughs> she moved, she started to move further away from me so I couldn't reach her. <laughs> That's true, actually. Okay, so, so the couple said, asked us a question that you would think it was a pretty innocent question, but it unraveled quickly, and it was awkward for them. I, I feel so bad for them. They said, how was your first year of marriage? Simple question. Simple answer. And it was like, at the same time, both of us chimed in, but we said totally different things. I'm thinking it's the first year of marriage. We got it on. It was awesome. That means, okay. Hey, God created it. It's good. And, and I said, it was amazing. And she said, it was terrible. And my head whips around, and I'm, I'm like angry. I'm hurt. I'm like, what's going on? I'm embarrassed now in front of these people. And clearly, our communication was not on point. Clearly, I had not got the memo on this thing. And there were some things that we had to really get down and work on. And let me tell you, that car ride home was terrible. <laughs> some of you have been there. It was rough. And we, we had to really work through some of these things that we were not communicating about. And this was not an issue we could swipe away. We had to work through it, and it got real, and it got real quickly. 
So relationship word is really loaded because if we talk about it, like right now I've been talking about marriage, but there are so many other aspects of relationships here. We have people who are not married, who have never been married, that will never be married. We have people that are dating kind of in that process. We have people that have uh, real in-depth co-worker relationships that are trying to work through um, those type of things. We've got parent-child. We've got close friendships. Uh, we, we have all sorts of relationships that we've got to work through. And then if you're in high school or you're like college age, you can say it's complicated, right? That's a kind of a funny relationship. And if you know that relationship, if you ask them about it, you just know you're going to have a really long, dramatic description now of it's complicated and what it means. When I was in Eden Prairie um, and I was working as a chaplain and I, I did some classes on chaplaincy, and one of the things that we really talked about is the ministry of presence, and that's where we're, we're going today. And, and this is the, the ability to not provide the right answers when somebody's life is falling apart. The ability that when they've lost everything, that you can sit with them and not say, oh, it's just going to be okay. That you don't start throwing out empty platitudes at them. Like, um, everything happens for a reason. They just lost somebody, and you're going to tell them that? Really? You're going to throw out these empty words and phrases? It is better to just sit there and to be with them and to be present. Instead of talking at people, you're actually sitting with them. We are to be loving. We are to be kind. We are to be generous. We're to be protective of them, because sometimes people are really forceful and trying to get their way with them, and we can protect them and say, you know what, they're not ready for that right now. To make them believe and know that you have their best interest in mind. We may be busy, but sometimes you have to stop and make them a priority because they matter. Moses had been on Mount Sinai for 40 days, and he'd been getting the Old Testament law directly from God. And the clouds were up there, and it was scary, and Israel's down, um, down at the base of the mountain, and Aaron, Moses' brother, is in charge. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, people just decided, I think Moses is dead. We want another God. Are you kidding this is the God that rescued them out of Egypt, separated the Red Seas, feeding them and supplying them with manna, brought water out of a rock. And they are now saying, well, we've got some gold. So they give all their gold to Aaron, and Aaron creates a calf. And now they're worshiping a calf. Moses is up in the mountain hearing from God. God says, you better get down there because things are getting bad fast. Moses comes down. He's got these, the law of God. He's so angry, he breaks them. He goes down and he mashes up the gold calf from gold and he puts it in their food and says, you eat this. He was so angry. How could you live, leave the living God, the God that wants to speak face to face with you and you keep separating yourself from him? God was so angry. And he said, you know what? I promised you the promised land. This is in Exodus 33, if you want to go on this. And he said, I promised you this land. So he goes, I'm going to be a person of God of my word. 
His God does not lie. He said, I will send an angel ahead of you, and he will help you get there, but I'm not going with you. I'm not going with you. The angel will help you get there. Good luck. You are an obstinate people, and I want nothing to do with you anymore. Exodus 33, 15, if you could put that up for me, please. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, I am too reliant. I am too desperate on our relationship. Moses dug his heels in as much as you can with God, and he said, listen, I don't want your angel to go ahead of us and bring us into the promised land. We need your presence. We need you here with us. And one chapter later, God and Moses, through this, their relationship got even tighter. And God listened to Moses, and Moses said, I want to see more of you. And some of you have have prayed and, and said, Lord, I want to see more of you. I want to see your face. Lord, reveal yourself to us. Reveal your presence to us in, in a more tangible way. And Moses, he was getting more comfortable and being in the presence of God. And he said, just show me your glory. And God said, you'll die if I would show you my glory. But he goes, what I'll do is I'll pass from a cleft in a rock. I'm going to put my hand out so when I pass you can see some of my, the, the word is Shekinah, the glory of God. And that's where his face began to glow. The presence of God was on Moses in such a strong way. And they had this intimate moment where God revealed himself to Moses. And right away, he, he says, um, this is 34, 8 through 9. I believe I have it for you, Sheila. Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Let the Lord go with us. He again is reiterating, we cannot go without your presence. We cannot live. We cannot be a people if you are not with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, forgive our wickedness, in our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Moses was once again struck by the glory and the power of God, and he refused to leave without God being present. Our relationship with God doesn't need to be, it's complicated. Even though we may endure difficult trials in our lives, we can see that his coming was for reconciliation. When you read the Old Testament, you realize that God's desire was to have a relationship with the people. He created and he deeply loves us. His longing was to have a relationship with everyone like he did Moses, face to face, as one speaks to a friend. And I think we forget that. We forget that this is the relationship, the New Testament relationship of God coming as Jesus Christ, 100% man, 100% God, to renew this relationship with us. Moses' protege would stay at the tent where the presence of God dwelt. He understood the ministry of presence. He understood the need to be present. He understood when he was sitting at the tent of meeting and close with God, he was in his presence. 
getting to know each other. I was recently reading a book that had an eye-opening study about presence. Um, There was a three-year study done at the University of Oklahoma. There were 65 parents who had violently abused their kids. So these were child abusers. And so 65 of them were sent into anger management, and the other 65 parents were sent into something called PCIT, which is parent-child interaction therapy. Out of the ones that went to anger management, they had to go to 12 anger management courses. 60% of those 65 kids were re-abused in a three-year span that the study was done. In the other one, the parent-child interaction therapy, PCIT, only 20% were re-abused of those 65 kids. So the question is, why the drastic change? Presence. In the uh, PCIT treatment, the abusers would have to practice five minutes of uninterrupted. This is how it started out in their 12 sessions. First, there would be a therapist on some a screen on the other side that they couldn't see. There would be a, the parent would have a little earpiece in, <clears throat> and the therapist would start talking to them. It would be five, only five minutes, and their assignment was five minutes a day to play with their child. No TV no cell phone, no kind of technology, and it was free play based on what the child wanted to do. So if the, if the kid was coloring, they would sit and color. And they couldn't just do whatever they wanted. What color would you like me to color with? All the kid directed. And what would happen is, is that the parent would not be allowed to direct, oh, you're doing it wrong, you're not coloring in the lines, being, telling them how bad they are all the time. It was fun play. They started to build a relationship over time. Why? Because God created us as relational beings to be with one another, to have relationship, not only for us and God, to be in the presence of Almighty God, to be able to have a relationship face-to-face like a friend. God has desired this relationship with us, and he's built us in the same way that we too, when we interact and are in each other's presence, it builds relationship. You want improvement with your relationship with somebody? Try an uninterrupted five minutes a day. Uninterrupted. You just focus solely on that relationship. See what happens. I want to encourage you, if you really, you look and go, I don't pray, I don't read my Bible, start with five minutes. Start with five uninterrupted minutes with God. I don't care if it's a devotional. I don't care if it's your Bible. I don't care if you put on worship music. I don't care if you put a Bible app on and listen, and then you just think and you just sit for five minutes. Who knows? Maybe you'll go to six minutes. Maybe you'll go to to seven minutes. But there is something that we can do because God desires to have a relationship with us. Could you go to that last slide for me, please? Moses was desperate for God's presence and refused to move forward without it. Joshua was tenacious about being where God's presence rested. We as a church should strive for the same tenacity as Joshua and the same desperation as Moses. To be desperate, for us to say, I will not move forward unless I know God is with me.
I will not move forward unless I know he is with me. And you know what? If I have to go and sleep at the tent, in the tent, to be near God, that's what I'm going to do, to be tenacious about it. Would you please stand? Rich and Carla will be at their table. Again, I want to encourage you to go um, back there and grab a book and meet them. Thank them for coming, giving them a great Life Assembly welcome. But when I'm looking at our culture, when I'm looking at the lack of depth and maybe even the fear to, be, to put the work that relationships take, it's really a scary thing. And God designed relationships to be intimate. God designed us to have close relationship, not only with him, but with, with each other. The Bible talks about fellowship. This is why we have time for us to go and sit down together before service. This is why we have life groups. This is why we have events. Because God said, do not forsake the fellowship of one another, other Christians. There is something that happens when we are together. And God desires us to have good, healthy relationships in our marriages, with our children, with our friends, with our co-workers. And he wants it to mirror our relationship with him. Would you please bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I know that relationships are dicey. I know that there are very hurtful things that happen. I know that there are hurt and wounded relationships in, in this room, and some may feel like they're even beyond repair. But Lord, I just ask right now that, that uh, you come and you begin to mend where, where you can mend, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that you build strong marriages in this place. I pray that you build strong relationships with parents and kids and grandparents with kids. Lord, I pray that you do just amazing things that only you can do in this place. And Lord, if there are those right now that are just struggling on, on what to do with difficult relationships, Lord, I just ask that you right now just come around them, hover around them, and help them during this time, Jesus. Hallelujah. If uh, you need prayer at all today, we're going to have some people that are going to come down here and just be willing to pray with you. Uh, when, we, when we do prayer for people, it doesn't mean that you have to come up and say everything. You can just say, I need prayer. Would you pray with me? And it's just a great time to come. If you also need some time at the altar, we want to make this available to you as well. But for uh, those of you who are ready to go, God bless you. Go in the peace of the Lord. May the Lord's face shine upon you. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.